This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC on ESPN Plus 37, Marais vs. Sandhagen, hit you with our segments, Fighter Stocks with GSP, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts, talk about the Fight Island documentary part one, discuss the news this week in MMA, and last but not least, preview UFC on ESPN Plus 38, Ortega vs. The Korean Zombie. Here we go. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. That was Ryan on the intro. I am Alex. We have a full episode today, and of course we have a recap, a preview, just like every other week for the rest of 2020. We have a review of the Fight Island documentary. That was pretty exciting. And a possible Knockout of the Year nominee to discuss. But as always, we'll start things off with our take of the week. So uh, as always, Ryan, take us away. All right. So this week I got um, Jay Park should uh, should corner Zombie and slap the shit out of Brian Ortega after uh, Zombie KOs him. I like it. I like it a lot. First of all, this is we're all in for Korean Zombie, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 110%. Definitely. Yeah, definitely Korean Zombie. Um, definitely Korean Zombie podcast. We want the Korean Zombie to get his title shot, and I think this one leads to a title shot. Anyhow, he owes Brian Ortega a slap because back at 248, um, while yours truly was sitting in attendance, um, as I like to bring up anytime we talk about that card, uh, not too far in front of me, there was a scuffle. I didn't know what happened, but I, it was it was uh, on the floor seats in front of me, but Apparently, Brian Ortega waited for Korean Zombie to go take a piss, and he slapped uh, his little rapper friend, Jay Park. So, uh, Jay, Park owes him for, Jay Park owes him one, but I like the matchup for Korean Zombie. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. So, uh, my take of the week this week is when TJ Dillashaw comes back, he's in big trouble. He's been out for two years now. The game has changed a lot, as we saw this weekend. Uh, the Bantam weight division is not how he left it. Um, what do you think happens when he comes back? I mean, even in the top five, I don't think there's a great matchup. He'll be in the mix, but I don't think it's the same division he left. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a good fighter. He's always going to be in a lot of fights. But, I mean, I think the the big X factor here is how how long was he doing EPO? Has he been doing it his whole career? And is he able to maintain his stamina, training, and everything that goes into uh, being a championship caliber fighter without, you know, the uh, the benefits of uh, of PEDs, basically. I'm assuming that. I mean, you know me; they're all on they're all on steroids. But uh, when they Diaz on that, but um, yeah, I'm assuming TJ Dillashaw's been doing it his whole career and just got caught. So I think that is going to have maybe a bigger effect on him than anything. Um, you know, a bigger effect on the division changing and uh, you know new up and comers being up there. Uh, I think him being off steroids and being older uh, is just going to be, you know, have a lot of takeaway from him right now. Yeah, I mean, I was just obviously that's I agree with you 100 percent on that. I just there's this bantamweight division has gone like berserk in the last two years that he's been gone. Um, 
I mean, there's not a good matchup. There's every matchup's a tough matchup now, one through five. Uh, like you said, he's. I think he's always going to be a pretty good fighter, but it just seems like when guys go away for a long time and they come back, I don't know. I mean, this is just a thought I was having when I was watching Mar- get Marias versus uh, Sandhagen. I underestimated Sandhagen straight up, and I don't think he's kind of a Dillashaw-style fighter, quick, a volume guy, awkward movements and stuff, but he's a lot bigger, a lot longer, and probably quicker. So um, it's just one more guy in the mix. Then you had uh, Aljamain Sterling. Even Marlon Marias, who apparently who appeared to have a little bit of an off night, um, I mean, he was pretty dominant in the bantamweight division for a long time, and now it was pretty much him, Dominic Cruz, and Cody Garbrandt, and now there is a whole mess of other guys that pretty much came up in the last two years. So I guess if I wanted to get extra spicy with the hot take, I'd say uh, T.J. Dillashaw will never touch the belt again, based off of the factors of the fact that he was using EPO for what seems like probably a long time based on his history and stuff that came out of his camp at alpha male and the fact that there's a lot of, a lot better fighters in the bantamweight division now so that's my take yeah. for the week yeah i think it's a bad combination that um you know he's older when he was dominating the division he was the younger gun in the division um you know besides cody garber and everyone else was a little older in the 135 division it's completely turned over like you said so a combination of him being older, him being slower, him being off PEDs, and um, the guys he's fighting being younger, quicker, and hungrier. So, yeah, I think that's going to be really tough for him to get his hands back on the belt or even his hands back in a title shot unless he gets uh, one good, one or two good wins off the, off the bat. But there's a lot of guys in line that, uh, that have a right to, uh, to fight at the title in 135. I mean, it, it's a stacked division, about as stacked as any right now. Yeah, and about as stacked as it's ever been. So... Yeah, I mean, that's I feel good saying it, too, because I've never been a Dillashaw, snake Dillashaw guy, but um, I really believe it, too. So um, I guess from there we'll move on to our recap of the event that featured the Bantamweights as the main event. But first we'll start off with our – everybody's seen it by now, but it's the Impa Kasangane versus uh, Joaquin Buckley. Knock, possible knockout of the year, possible possibly one of the best knockouts of all time. This is the first fight I watched – live or second fight i watched live and i could not believe it um quick brag i bet on buckley as a plus 240 uh underdog um i bet him on bet on him in the league also i liked what i saw in his first fight but i was not expecting this yeah yeah it was uh it was unreal i mean he was uh he was winning that fight before the knockout i would say i think he won round one um round two was closer um but i'm not i'm not sure if he was winning that one or not but uh yeah, I mean, just an unbelievable knockout. That's probably about as good a knockout as you're ever going to see watching uh, watching UFC up till this point, or MMA in general. Um, but, uh, yeah, really, really good. I, I'm giving it the JLT knockout of the year, even though we're not over yet. You know, no one's going to beat that one. So we can chalk that one up yeah. already for knockout of the year for the JLT uh, podcast. Um, but where, where do you think this one stands uh, in the, uh, you know, up against best KOs of all time? I don't know. It's got to probably be top three, I think. Yair, yeah, I'd say I. I think it's Yair one, over in Korean my Zombie. Yeah, I, it's hard to say. It's not number one. Um, Yair over Korean Zombie. Um, even even Barbosa's wheel kicks, knockouts that he's had that were just so fast and so clean. But yeah, I mean, Barbosa versus Terry Adam um, is yeah. up there. Um, um, Anderson Silva's front kick versus Vitor. Oh, that was um, sick. Yeah, even Connor's uh, yeah, overall though was Connor overall though was a sick knockout just because of the 
everything that went into it. But this was just like, I've never seen a guy holding a guy's leg. I don't know how he, he generated enough power to do that. And the fact that he starched him flat was just added to, it was, I mean, it was basically a walk-off knockout. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard it's to unreal. say that it's not number one. Yeah, I mean, everybody looks at, you know, they always play the highlights of um, of um, uh, Pettis off the cage. Um, yeah. But you don't, they clip it at the end, you don't realize it's not a knockout. It's just a knockdown. So, you know, obviously that one's not up for debate here. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, there's there's different categories. You got, like, the Conor versus Aldo and the, um, and the uh, Anderson Silva one being, like, high stakes in the, in this moment, although I don't think they're as, you know, look as cool as maybe the Barbosa or, um, or this Joaquin Buckley, uh, knockout, but so there's just kind of different levels, um, different, you know, depending on what you value, uh, most is, you know, where it stands. I think just pure looks and knockout wise, like, I think it's as good as it gets. I think it's probably the best there ever has been. Um, but if you're factoring stakes and showing up in big moments, I mean, it's not prelims of, uh, UFC ESPN plus 37 um, stakes aren't all that good, but uh, um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's going to be on replays for forever, you know, on top knockout highlights oh, and yeah. everything. So yeah, I mean, you can't argue that. Yeah. And un- unexpectedness of it was a 10 out of 10. So that also helps its cause. Cause I didn't think that that, that guy is like, I said it last week that I mean, he's absolutely like, He's jacked. He looks like he should play, be playing middle linebacker in the NFL, not fighting in the 185 division. And I mean, he got the way he got off the ground, how fast he did it, completely unexpected. Um, yeah, I mean, this one's up there. It's this is this one is easily in the conversation. And like you said, it just comes down to what you what you prefer to see. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as kicks go Anthony Pettis off the cage is hard to top but again that was not a knockout it was an it was a knockdown so but I mean it's up there with anyone I I mean I I don't necessarily I mean you could make arguments for a few of them but I think that this one you can easily argue is number one and uh I don't think there's any way to say it's not at least tied for the top spot so yeah that was awesome so he won the fight by knockout in the second round um, like I said, he was a plus 240 underdog. I think they were fairly evenly matched, but I do think he won the first round. I also think that Impa Kasangane is a pretty good fighter. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, they were throwing they were throwing up until the yeah. knockout. I mean, they were both they both had cracked each other multiple times. So, it was really up in the air until that. And uh yeah, I just I just think, you know, just thinking back on it and watching I've watched the replay probably 50 times just like to go off to jump off one foot, spin like that and land with enough power to start somebody cold like that it's just unbelievable so i mean i i can't you know i'll probably watch it 50 more times before uh before the week's over yeah it's one of those ones i'll watch it you'll watch it forever uh another thing uh impa kasangane uh jlt good guy certified he wrote a really nice thank you um post to joaquin buckley congratulated him uh really he's just a really nice guy all around he he doesn't engage in any trash talk he always thanks his opponents just a good guy all around, like to the point where he's actually challenging Stephen Thompson for the nice the NMF, the NMF belt. Um, I'm not ready to give it to him yet, or even match him up for sure. But he is he's on the fast track to the to the NMF belt. So Ipikasangne, good yeah, fighter, I mean, young fighter, but um, on the wrong end of this one. Yeah, I mean, what uh, what other route do you really have? Um, 
just be salty as hell that you got you're gonna be on highlight reels for the rest of your life like every single they're gonna play that before every ufc event like on the on the highlight video you know it's gonna be you know it's gonna be played as much as uh as much as the oh, showtime pettis kick so i mean you might as well be nice about it and just not be salty as hell because you're just gonna look dumber and dumber as time goes yeah. on you were a part of history not the part you wanted not the not the starring role but um you were a part of it yeah, I want to say that video was played over 10 million times in 12 hours. So a lot of people saw it. But we'll move on to our next fight. Our next fight to recap, we got Chris Dawkins versus uh, Rodrigo Nascimento Ferreira. And um, I underestimated Chris Dawkins. I apologize to you, Chris Dawkins. Um, I, thought, I thought beating up his first – I thought when he beat up that fat dude, uh, Parker Porter, I thought that was too easy. Now you're going to fight a real guy. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, he's he uh, he looks like if he would just work out, he'd be a two or fiver, but he just doesn't do it. But he's fast. I'll give yeah, him credit. Think, he's fast. I think powerful. they said he weighed in at 227 pounds. So, I mean, I don't even think he has to work out to make 205. I mean, he just has to cut a little weight. But um, I guess, yeah, the speed might be working for him. But uh, let's not give him too much credit. I mean, I wouldn't call the guy he faced this week too real. Um, he was another overweight overweight dude it didn't look like he's in that great of shape although he's probably better than parker porter better than parker porter for sure but yeah i mean but he clipped him early um again this is my this is my uh my i say this every time these guys are not heavyweights this is a whole different this isn't like the same group as like stipe francis dc this is fat guy division this is a whole different ball game um both of these guys like i said uh chris Dawkins looks like he could fight at 205 if he literally just did a normal fight camp i don't know like he's just a normal shaped guy who's just fat right no yeah, disrespect he just, like, he's a wide body dude <laughs> his brother's a wide body dude too but he he keeps his weight in check yeah he really showed you know why he's the keeper of brothers in the darkest family <laughs> um you know he's two and oh now in the ufc i believe so yeah yeah he's showing For- up fast hands um powerful yeah he's he is the keeper the keeper of his younger brother hey you Um, mentioned um you mentioned that um there's two different divisions at heavyweight the fat guy heavyweights and you know the real deal heavyweights who do you think's the champion of the fat guy heavyweights you know that's a good question um who who who's like number 12 in the rankings for heavyweight because i feel like it cuts off somewhere like 8 9 10 11 augusto sakai he's fat um, and he just got his ass kicked by a real heavyweight. Yeah, by Alistair Overeem. So, yeah, he might be he might be the champion of the fatweights. I mean, Fabrizio Werdum was up there in fat guy heavyweights these days, but he's not in the UFC anymore. Yeah, but he, he was legit, though. He was he legit. was legit. Yeah, I mean, Derek Lewis, he's kind of a fat guy, but he's not. I mean, I think he's just I think he's just too much muscle. Like he's one of those guys where if you punched him, it would hurt your hand. He just yeah, looks that's fat. True. Uh, yeah. Like Mark Hunt. Like I can't really call Mark Hunt a fat guy, but he kind of was. Marcin Tibera. Yeah. He looked good. Yeah. And he's on, what, like a three-fight win streak, I think. So, yeah, yeah, maybe he's up there. Yeah, well, we'll get to him. Um, maybe we'll get to him. Uh, anyways, yeah, I don't, know who the, I don't know who the champ fat guy is, but honestly, two different divisions. These guys could never be there, – there will never be a cross – there will be a rare crossover. Augustus Akai versus Overeem was a crossover. Actual fat guy versus an actual heavyweight – and uh, we saw how that worked out, but yeah, you got Ty Tuivasa. He's up there. 
Oh, yeah. He's a fat boy. Yeah, so, those are guys that they thought were going to make the cross, but they never did. Yeah, just too fat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got... Again, no disrespect, but do they not... Like, do they not run stuff like that, or... Did, no, is it a, absolutely not, man. They hit the bag every once in a while, and... <laughs> And, you know, they they do their workouts for whatever they need to do to tra- train, and that's about it. These guys, well, I mean, I, I get they They work hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure they work hard. Some of them I don't think work hard at all. But, I mean, that's a whole – I think they're just somewhat athletic and, and fighters. But, um, yeah, the most of them are, right. seem like bums. I got one for you then, and it's not on our review, but he did fight. Ben Rothwell, how hard does he work? And uh, I bet on him. I would never bet against him, but I, he lost, but I, I did bet on him. But here's, my, here's what I'm saying. When he's on his back, the fight's over. Like, he's not getting back up. But if he drilled, does he drill jujitsu? Does he do any of this stuff? I don't know. I think at one point, Ben Rothwell worked hard, but that was like 10 years ago, probably. And, and since then, he's been, I, I think he just, I think a lot of these guys just coast on, on what they got going at, at, in the heavyweight division. They know they're never going to be a, title challenger so they kind of just you know they so come need out to here they fight twice twice a year hopefully win one of them and uh take it to the bank so we need a fat guy belt fat guy belt jlt fat man belt that's what we should right, start I'm, I'm writing that down because we gotta we gotta get to the bottom of this new this is a new division nobody likes new belts nobody likes new divisions but something's got to be done because these are not these are not real heavyweights they're there's something different but anyways we'll move on from them Again, no disrespect, uh, but Tom Breeze and um, KB Bueller. Is that how you say his name, Bueller? Yeah, I think so, Bueller. All right, Bueller. Yeah, um, KB Bueller, again, uh, I'll just say it again, no disrespect, but that guy sucked. He got his yeah. ass kicked so fast. Uh, small asterisks here. Tom Breeze looked really, really good, like way better than he looked in his last fight when he got – what did I see him get beaten that Norfolk card by uh, Brendan Allen Allen? Yeah. Uh, pretty quickly. That was not the same guy. Like this guy was, this guy looked like a, uh, I mean, he shredded. He looks like he could be a pr- actual problem in the division. And uh, KB Bueller, uh, Canadian, I believe, making his uh, debut. He was like 8 0. Did not look like he was on his level. No. Yeah. And let's not get carried away and say, like, Tom Breeze is going to be like challenge or anything. I think he's kind of a career, like, you know, bottom of the barrel 185er but he I think he was just facing someone who doesn't deserve to be in the UFC really no disrespect but yeah I mean KB Bueller looked like he's a regional guy and and that's where he should stay I mean they must have just needed someone to fill in a fight on this card because uh he did not look up to uh up to par with anyone uh that that's in the 185 division um yeah but no dis no disrespect but Tom Breeze he he looked good um, he finished him. He knocked him down with a jab, which is kind of spread. I think he was kind of stunned. Uh, Tom Breeze landed a, a pretty big hook, like a, I think a hook, and kind of rocked him pretty bad. And I think the jab just put him down. And then, uh, but one other thing, I wasn't too high on Breeze. Um, Joe Martinez, when he's announcing him, he um, he lists his skills as boxing and sufficient wrestling. So who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna put down? The, uh, hey, what are your best skills? Uh, I guess uh, I'm pr- all right at boxing, and I'm uh, I guess I'm a sufficient wrestler. And that, those are gonna be your skills you have listed when they announce your name and the octagon. Um, so after that, I'm like, uh oh, this could be a this could be a rough night. But luckily, he didn't have to uh, to rely on his sufficient wrestling. He got it done with his boxing early. 
Yeah, he tried to rely on a sufficient wrestling against uh, Brendan Brendan Allen back in February. It didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, KB, you KB think Bueller. That, you think during the All-In Allen fight they went boxing and wrestling and they're like, oh, you better <laughs> change that to sufficient, sufficient wrestling or not list wrestling at all. What do you want to do? Well, we can't call you a wrestler even though you wrestled, so we're just going to have to say your wrestling is sufficient. Formally trained in wrestling. Yeah, luckily you're fighting an absolute wet noodle of a man and you're going <laughs> to be able to knock him out cold with a with a with a jab right <laughs> getting knocked out by a jab automatically disqualifies you from the ufc so um sorry sorry to my our canadian friend kb bueller and the the highlight of this whole thing was our uh our good friend poker player terry bet on kb bueller so <laughs> that made that made it all all the more better because that was the biggest mismatch of the night by far what was it? And uh, I'm including is it ABW. Or what is I it? don't know. An absolute <laughs> blowout winner. It it might have been. We should have we should have got gotten with him beforehand. Yeah. In a in a night that had some that did have some absolute blowout winners, um, this was the biggest absolute blowout winner. But it was not KB Bueller. It was Tom Breeze getting the W, and um, not having to use his sufficient boxing. Um, speaking of one-sided absolute blowout winners, this one I did bet on Tom Aspinall versus Allen. What's this guy? Badeau? 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 I have no clue how to say it. Badeau, I'm going to guess. Badeau, I don't know. Yeah, that sounds right. So I bet on a first round finish for Tom Aspinall because he's been finishing everyone in the first round. Uh, he finished this dude in the first round, made it look easy, um, something like 90 seconds or something. Um, Tom Aspinall looks good, though. This is definitely some sort of lineage to Frank Mir because he looks like Frank Mir's child. But um, other than that, he looked like he's looked in his last fight. I think I heard that this guy trains with Darren Till, and he's trained with Tyson Fury before. So um, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good stable to be working with. And um, this guy, he might be. I mean, he's not a fat heavyweight. He he may be a real heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. He. I mean, he looks like he's just like he's on the border. He could go fat heavyweight if he if he lets himself go a little bit, or he could get absolutely shredded. <laughs> so. I think he's he's teetering on on the border of um, making the jump to the real deal, or you know, competing with the fat guys for the rest of his career. So I think choose your uh, own adventure. Yeah, at this point, he's he's looking like he's gonna, you know, kind of progress into the real deal. But you know, he could always do a backslide and uh, and be uh, fighting, um, you know, some of those uh, out of shape older guys for the rest of his career. So I mean, I, I'm hoping that he uh, he makes the next step up. Um, I think he, uh, you know, his next fight needs to be against somebody who would be the next step up. Um, I think it, he's looked good, but he's been fighting some uh, absolute blowout bums. And, yeah. um, and it's time to uh, kind of take the next jump. And this uh, actually, a um, little bit of matchmaking Ryan here. Um, I think Chris Dawkins is also ready to uh, kind of fight somebody that's a little step up. I would say a good fight would be uh, Aspinall versus Dawkins to see uh, kind of uh, where they're both at. Yeah, I'd like to see that. They both are – one thing, they both are fast hand and uh, seemingly good boxers. So at least – and, I mean, in the moment, both of them got quick finishes. Both of them are on fight island. Both of them are probably willing to fight again soon. So um, logistically, it makes sense also. So Yeah, Sean Shelby, where you at? Yeah, see, logistics, matchmaking, do it all. So yeah, I mean he won his fight quickly. Like you said, he's on. He's uh he's at a he's at a checkpoint where he can choose his own adventure. Does he want to go fat boy 
beating up fat boys routes or go fight real heavyweights. Uh, maybe he'll dabble in both. I don't know. But like you said, I think uh, I think uh, Dawkins and Aspinall would be an exciting fight. I would definitely be leaning towards Aspinall, but I've been caught underestimating Chris Dawkins now twice. So um, that would be uh, – I could be doing it for a third time. So next up, Marcus Perez and uh, the South African guy, Dreykus Duplessis. Um I wanted Marcus Perez to get knocked out in this fight because he did that cringy joker thing. Did you see his weigh-in? Um, I saw I saw a picture of it. I didn't watch it though. Um, but yeah, he had like a joker face painted on well, or something. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the, painting a joker face on is one thing, and it, it's still weird. Like every fighter basically bases their personality off of like either Joe Rogan or like the Joker or something. You know, like there's not very many avenues that they pick from, but. He then did like a Joker cosplay where he was like doing the li- licking the lips thing and like being weird, kind of like Jeez. reenacting the Joker. So a little cringy, a little weird, but um, I have to admit, I thought he was winning this fight. He was, he looked bigger, stronger, and faster until he didn't. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. I'd say if these guys were to fight 10 times from the way it looked, I think Perez wins seven or eight. He looked like to be clearly the better striker. Uh, he looked to have all the advantages, and then, yeah, he got caught with one he didn't see coming and uh, hit him in the you know, the side of the head, the temple area, which uh, just put him down, and, uh, and Duplessis was able to finish the fight. So, I mean, credit to uh, Duplessis for taking advantage of, uh, of a situation and, and getting the win, but, yeah, he, he didn't look good up until that point, that's for sure. <laughs> he, was getting, he was getting pretty beat up, like, most, uh, most of the fight. So, this um, was his debut, right? Yeah, I believe so. And he was a pretty highly ranked uh, or highly rated prospect, or he was maybe a Cage Warriors champion or something. Um, and I believe he was a fairly bit, fairly. Uh, I don't think he was a huge underdog or uh, favorite. Um, Perez, I don't think was a huge underdog, but he definitely looked like he. It, did you see that punch? Didn't really look like it landed that hard. It looked like a tap. And I, I had done some research and saw that uh, Perez. I don't think he'd ever been knocked out before. He's like twelve and three. And all all decision losses. I don't think he'd ever been knocked out. So I was a uh, I was definitely not expecting a knockout punch. And the one he got hit with that put him out didn't look like a any type of like um, catastrophic bomb. But yeah, it, was just uh, a, it put him like out. A short left hook to the side of the head. Yeah, something. really short. But yeah, I mean it put him put him out flat too. So um, I guess we'll call uh, we'll call um, Duplessis. We'll call him Batman because he uh, knocked out the Joker. So. The good yeah. guy wins in this round. Yeah. So, so other than that, we'll move on to uh, Edson Barboza versus Makwan Americani. Um, I had Edson Barboza in this fight, but, he, I mean, easy to say. He was a minus 250 favorite. And uh, I think – I don't know if he fought the exact fight I expected him to fight, but it was fairly close, maybe a little, maybe a little more reserved than I expected him to be, but he dominated every second of the fight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – he looked kind of reserved in the first round and in the third round somewhat, but um, yeah, I mean in the second round he kind of went all out, dropped him twice. Uh, he looked really good. I thought I thought he won all three rounds. Um, with you know the first round being somewhat close, but Barbosa I thought clearly uh, clearly winning. Um, third round, Macwan Mirkani had some some time on the ground from what I remember, and um, you know and looked like he was having some uh, some success there. 
And, but um, I think about two minutes, they got back to the feed, and Barbosa dominated the end, you know, the second half of the third round, and uh, almost took him out. It seemed like Macwana Mirkani was, you know, breathing out of his mouth and and looking pretty beat up towards the end of that fight. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought a great performance uh, out of Ed, Edson Barbosa. I mean, he looked like a completely different person. Um, physically, I mean, physically, he looked exactly the same as he does at 155. He was shredded. Um, you know, I was really impressed by that. Also. The hair, I thought he was one hair of Hair and beard. Yeah, it's always weird when you see a guy that you think's bald because they've been bald for as long as you can remember, and then they come out with a full head of hair, um, kind of similar to uh, Jacare. Um, Shocking. Comes out with a completely full head of hair. There's no reason why he's been bald all this time. And, uh, yeah, and a full beard. So, yeah, looking good. Dominic Reyes is jealous. <laughs> yeah, Dominic Reyes is very jealous. Is <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm I'm truly shocked when I find out that somebody was just shaved. I was shocked the first time I saw Cowboy Cerrone with hair. Like this guy's been shaving his head bald, like he's got male pattern baldness his whole career, and he's just doing it for the heck of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, smart smart Barboza, not not jumping into the guard, not um not engaging on the ground. Um, that was uh, Americani's only real advantage he possibly had. A huge red flag for Macwan Americani. They had Chris Fishgold, his win over Chris Fishgold, in his highlight reel. If that's all you got for a highlight reel, huge red flag right there. That was uh, that's the eye test right there. You look at their highlight reel, and they're they're uh, talking about him beat. Our right, Edson Barboza is possibly the fastest guy in one of the fastest guys in the UFC. Definitely one of the fastest guys in the division. Chris Fishgold is possibly the slowest guy in the UFC. Definitely one of the slowest guys in the division. So. Um, that was a huge red flag to me if you're bragging about a win over a guy of that caliber. So, um, that just helped me help cement my pick because Edson Barboza was my second, my second league pick, which like I said, nothing to brag about 240 favorite, but he looked really good physically and had a little glow up with his, uh, hair and beard combo that was working for him. But, um, we'll have to see what, what they do with Edson Barboza going forward. Where do you put him at in the 145s? Where do you think he should be next? Um, match. Where do you think he should be uh, falling in line next? Yeah, I think his next fight should be, I mean, maybe like Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's he get needs a win versus somebody in that area. Josh Emmett, Jeremy Stevens, Arnold Allen. That's like the seven through nine area. Um, when if he wins that, then you know I think he needs a pretty much a title eliminator i think he's two fights away from potentially fighting for a title at 140 or at 145 um he's got the name value um and yeah i think uh he looks good so you better uh better push him fast because he's an older guy doesn't have a ton of time so yeah he needs two quick wins and then you know maybe he's fighting for a title soon yeah that'd be awesome um always a he's a he's a just believed guy he's a he's a all, all violence first team so um i'd love to see it um next up we got our main event we got marlon marias versus Corey sandhagen uh, i like to brag about the bets i get right here's a bet i got wrong i uh i had the vibe t- i vibe tested about an hour before this event before this fight started and i had i just had a marlon marias vibe so underdog money if it was even money i was leading in sandhagen but i got underdog money for marlon marias and i took it and uh vibe test failed me he was i felt like he had an off night but that's not gonna not to take anything away from Corey Sandhagen, who looked, who I also underestimated. I knew he was tall and long. I didn't know he was. The, I didn't realize he was that fast. 
and um, had that many different, um, I guess, uh, strike, stand-up striking attacks to, uh, to work with. So uh, I underestimated him, and I uh, went with Marlon Marias for the fight. I know you went with Sandhagen, so um, that was a good pick. What did you see there? Yeah, I mean, I just thought I, – I didn't expect Corey Sandhagen to come out and win that in that dominant of a fashion. Um, I honestly saw this going into deeper rounds. I thought it was going to be, you know, if he did get a finish, it was going to be later. Um, I was thinking most likely it would, you know, he, I was thinking it could be a decision, but also Marlon Marais fades. So I was thinking maybe it could be a fourth or fifth round finish. Uh, but you know, he got it done a lot faster. It almost seemed like Marlon Marais is pretty hesitant out there. Um, like he wasn't pulling the trigger early. Like he usually does. Maybe he was worried about gassing. I know a lot of people were talking that. When breaking down this fight, I heard a lot of, um, you know, Marlon Marias. He comes out there and, you know, puts it all on the line in the first two rounds. And if he doesn't get the finish, he gets in some trouble in the later rounds. I think that might have gotten into his head, um, kind of uh, stopped him from pulling the trigger. And by not pulling the trigger early, uh, he just let himself get kind of steamrolled. Um, you know, I thought Corey Sanhagen had what it, you know, had what it takes to uh, to beat Marlon Marias, but I was worried about Marlon Marias finishing him in the first or second round, which we saw uh, Aljamain Sterling doing. Um, but, you know, I picked Corey Sandhagen just because I thought, you know, I thought he is the better fighter. Uh, it's just a matter of him getting out of that first round and a half or so. Uh, but, I mean, that didn't even come. He, he got finished in the second round. So, yeah, he, he really uh, he started strong, and he capitalized on, uh, on Mariah's kind of, um, you know, not coming out like he usually does. Yeah, it was odd. It was weird to see him not not really come out and throw any heat. Um, it could have been a little bit of just, uh, like I said, Sandhagen was fast and he was landing early. Um, he also said that he broke Marias's orbital right before he wheel kicked him in the head. All right, the wheel kick was really cool, and I didn't even think it landed, but that was an ugly wheel kick. That was like somebody who's only practiced that 100 times in their life. It, he stopped halfway, hitched it, and then flipped, then just swung his leg. It, it wasn't smooth. It wasn't like Barbosa where it's like a, a circular motion. This was like a hitch, and then he swung his leg like his leg was a tennis racket, and he clipped him on the on like the temple. So yeah. I mean, it worked, but you know, it was maybe an ugly that's why one. It worked too. It might be it. You know, it comes a little different than uh, most people are used to seeing. <laughs> so the hitch maybe threw off my off my eyes and got it to land. But who knows? Yeah, it was. It wasn't the. Uh, you know the best looking wheel kick, but it was uh, it was effective nonetheless. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, Junior Dos Santos landing that wheel kick on uh, Mark Hunt, the slowest wheel kick I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that was like a three part wheel kick. Yeah, <laughs> but San Higgins was fast, but it 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 just looked like he uh, it just didn't look it just didn't look quite quite as smooth. But like I said, it did land, and it uh. It folded him up. Uh, what about the stoppage? You don't think it was too early? A little bit too early, possibly. Yeah, I know your maybe, style. Maybe a little bit, but um, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine, but yeah, you know, we all we're always here for a little bit, a little bit more fight. But uh, you know, sometimes Give I have bets on. You know, if I have a bet on Corey Sandhagen, if I have a bet on the winner, then it's a fine stoppage regardless. Even though I'm a just believe guy. Yeah. All right. Why? Well, yeah, and I had a. I had uh, Marlon, so I was a, uh, I was hoping for it to go a little longer. Um, Marlon Marias, not a guy that could grow hair. He's definitely bald on by male pattern baldness. Are we sure about that? 
I'm not sure, but because I would have said that about Edson Barbosa um, <laughs> a few months ago. Well, like literally up said... until Saturday night, I would have thought said that about Edson Barbosa. But um, yeah. who knows? Marlon Moraes will come out with like a mini afro or something in his next fight. Who knows? Marlon Moraes looks more like he he looks more like he's to the point where he, they're like shining his head. Yeah. So he might be past just the buzz cut, but I don't know. Um, so anyhow. That was uh, that was uh, the the main fights from that card. Overall, this was actually a really really good card. Like it had good name value and it had really good fights. If uh, I was gonna give it a card ranking, I would say going into the card like a probably like a seven point five or eight. I'd say coming out of it, it was probably a nine. There was a lot of really good finishes in this on this card and a lot of really good fights. As far as uh, it living up to what I expected and then exceeding that by even quite a bit. So, plus you've thrown in possible best knockout of all time in there. Um, this was a good one. This was a this was one of these Fight Island cards that's been in the mix, or one of these COVID cards that's been in the mix that could could have fallen through the cracks, but definitely delivered. Yep, and I'm pretty sure Marlon Marais confirmed bald. I'm looking at some pictures here, <laughs> and um, you can kind of see a little bit of hair on the sides and completely bald on the top. So we're confirming Marlon Marais bald. Yeah, I don't think this is a Barboza situation or like a John Jones shaving his head or a, I mean, Cowboy Cerrone. I didn't know he was ever going to grow his hair back, and next thing you know, he's fighting with hair. So, But I was pretty sure Mom Rice was... Uh, Although Cowboy's just... hairline is going. <laughs> yeah, so is Costa's. Costa's getting real thin in the middle of the back there. He'll be bald soon too. And like you Jeez. like to say, uh, Dom- Dominic Reyes. So just send those guys that uh, spit shine, spit shine head uh, Marlon's got, and just tell them it doesn't look too bad. <laughs> right. Stop running. Stop running yeah. from it. It's gonna happen whether you like it or not. Yeah, definitely. So, I guess uh, we can move on from there. We'll go and trade our fighter stocks after this event. Anyway, on a positive note. George St. Pierre is back. Fighting business, it's like the stock market. Some guys, sometimes their stock is high, some guys their stock is low, and it's a question of timing. I wanted to make a big boom in my comeback, and like I said, it's like the stock market. Right now, the guy who has the highest stock, right now it's Michael Bisping. All right, so now let's trade some fighter stocks. So um, we'll start with who you got going up. Uh, I'm going to go with... um Going up, um, I think obviously the most obvious um, candidate going up is uh, Joaquin Buckley, relatively <coughs> unknown before this fight, um, and his knockout got viewed 10 million times in 12 hours or whatever he said, so uh, he's definitely on it. Um, stock is uh, going straight up right now. Yeah, I can't beat it. Um, do you think, did you see where Dana was like, everybody's telling me I should give you $200,000 for that knockout. Do you think he actually gave him $200,000? Do you think he just? Yeah. Why else would he have said it? I don't think he's that. I don't think he's that uh, much of a like. <laughs> much. I mean, you're gonna get. You're only gonna give him like a knockout bonus, but then under the table, why else would he have been saying that? I don't know. It would have been a weird move, he, but he deserves more than two hundred thousand, in my opinion. Because I mean, think of how many times they're gonna play. UFC is gonna play that highlight and uh, yeah. make money off of it, basically. YouTube so. views. Yep. Like they're making a ton off that. So you know, it's gonna be in highlights for. For the next 20 years so longer than that probably it'll be highlights forever so 
um, definitely deserves more than like just the 50k knockout bonus. And I, I guarantee yeah. you gave him more than that. Yeah, I hope he did too. Um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Slated to make like 12, 12 and 12, and he ended up making whatever he made. But um, next guy we got going up, I got Corey Sandhagen. I think that he's going to get the winner of the. Well, we don't even know if Aljamain Sterling's going to get the Peter Jan fight, but if he does, Corey Sandhagen pretty much cemented his spot next in line. Um, I think they were waiting for this fight. If Marlon won, they, he might have jumped Aljamain Sterling and got a, a shot at Peter Jan. But since Sandhagen beat him so easily, and uh, obviously, I think that uh, Sandhagen's next in line for a title shot. So I think if you're Corey Sandhagen, that's about as high as, I mean, that's about as high as, stock, as your stock can be right now. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I agree there. And uh, next up, I got Edson Barbosa going up, full head of hair, looking good at 145. He's on, on the way up at the 145 division. Yep. Um, relative, another relative unknown, Ilya Tupora. Um, didn't know a single thing about him. I only picked him because I was uh, on the fade train for Yusef Zalal because I think he's been one of the most overrated prospects we've seen in a long time. I'll get to that when we're talking about stocks going down. But this kid was a maniac on the ground, had tons of submissions. Um, credit to Yusef Zalal for not getting submitted and uh, Tupora for almost almost gassing him out. But he was fighting on a week's notice, and um, he really dominated that fight from start to finish. And I don't think most people, including myself, knew anything about him going into it. Yep, definitely. And um, got Tom Aspinall going up. Um, looked good. Steamrolled another opponent. So got to put him on the way up. Yep. Last one I got going up is um, Marcin Tavira. <laughs> A guy I bet against, and I guess he's on a three-fight win streak now. Beating Ben Rothwell is uh, pretty legit. Um, I think he's kind of cement, or kind of fixed some of the problems maybe he had earlier in his career, and uh, I think um, I think he's uh, well on his way to uh, kind of legitimizing himself in the heavyweight division. Yep, and then last one for me, Chris Dawkins. Um, looking good at oh, heavyweight, yeah. two twenty-five quick. Um, Yep, so we got Chris Dawkins going up. All right, honorable mention, Giga Chikatsi. Um, and uh, Tony Kelly. Uh, so going down, uh, I'll start with the going down. Um, I got Marlon Marais going down. Like I said, I think he just had an off night, but he uh, definitely knocked himself out of title contention for at least the, the short term. And um, he may have been next in line if he won this fight. So uh, came out tentative, lost the fight. Uh, stock's going to drop a little bit, but not a whole lot. So um, most obvious one maybe, but um, not the biggest drop. Yep. Um, I think uh, my number one going down is going to be uh, Impa Kasangane. Um, I mean, you're going to be on highlight reels for the rest of your <laughs> life, man. And uh, there's nothing worse than that. So uh, Impa Kasangane going way down this week. And it was his first loss. Yeah, that's rough. Um. Yeah, my next one going down, Yusef Zalal. Like I said, I tweeted it. I said it last week. I've been saying it since the last time I saw him fight. I think this is like the most overrated guy that I've been hearing about as much as I've heard about him in a long, 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 long time. He beat up a couple bums, and he barely did that. Um, he's gassed out in all his fights. He he show, He's one of those guys where he shows those flashes. Like his last fight, he he landed a really nice spin kick that knocked a guy down. But he couldn't finish him. Um, 
I just never saw anything that was very impressive. And uh, he went into this fight as a minus 155 favorite over a guy that we knew uh, they knew was pretty good. So it wasn't like he was um, fighting another bum. But, I mean, he just got dominated. I don't really see what everyone else talks like they see. So I got Yusef Salal going down. I think that's my biggest drop because I think he went from possible, like, on-the-radar future prospect to maybe more pe- people realizing he's just going to be a middle-of-the-pack um, roster fighter. Yep. Yeah, agreed. And then I got uh, KB Bueller going down. Um, <laughs> just looked bad out there. Everyone, <laughs> Everyone sees it. You're definitely going down, and, you know, he's one of these guys I think might not be trading anymore soon. Yeah, that was rough. Um, last one I got is uh, Ali Alquesi. He got dominated by Tony Kelly, got wrestled nonstop. And then after the fight, he, uh, after losing, he pushed, uh, he started like trying to get, get a little rumble going in the ring or in the octagon after the fight. I don't really know what was going on there, but it was, uh, it was a weird, a weird exchange, but, uh, stock definitely drops after that. Yep. And, uh, lastly, I got, um, Marcus Perez going down, dominating the fight, and then uh, and then loses to Drakus uh, Deplacus. So um, we and got Marcus Perez going down, deserved to win, and and it's going down. Regardless. And you can't lose when you dress like the Joker. You can't lose if you do your Joker thing. Exactly. So, yeah, that's it for that's all I got going down. You got any more going down? Any honorable mentions going up or down? Nope, that's it for me. All right, then we'll move on from our stocks and let's see here. All right, moving on from our stocks, we'll jump into our segments. We will do our Isn't He Awesome, our weekly shout out, and then our weekly call out. So, um, you want to start with Isn't He Awesome? You, you, know, you, you, know what, you know what Connor told me? He says, I want Khabib in Russia. <laughs> Is he fucking awesome? He's like, I want Khabib in Russia. Yeah. Connor McGregor is a fucking unicorn. There's nothing like him. And uh, he's, 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 he's working on boxing Floyd Mayweather, and then he's talking about Khabib in Russia right after. It's just, those are the kind of things that make that kid a fucking superstar. Somebody. You know? I got guys telling me, eh, I don't want to do, 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 you know, fucking, I don't want to fight this guy, and I don't want to do this. I want Floyd Mayweather and I want fucking Khabib in Russia. How do you not love him? How do you not love Conor McGregor? Yeah, I'll do, um, I got two. Uh, first one, I, I'm going to go with this. Um, if you haven't seen the video, uh, the guy that, uh, that faces off against the mountain lion. Um, have you seen that yet? No. Uh, <laughs> dude, it's crazy. It's a six and a half minute video of this guy. He's running in like somewhere near Salt Lake City, I think, um, in Utah. And he's running down this trail and he gets his camera out because he sees like some little cats. They turn out to be mountain lion cubs. And then the mom appears out of no out of nowhere. He starts like ba- running backwards, basically like backing up, backing up, backing up. The mom just just follows. He walks backwards while the mom is about within five to ten yards of him. The entire time, just stalking him, just r- walking right at him. He's walking backwards, freaking out. He keep <laughs> he keeps saying like, "I'm I'm a big scary man." Like he's like yelling at it, like <laughs> saying all this goofy shit. Like you don't want to mess with me. Like yelling at this mountain lion, and it's just 
it charges at him like probably 10 times throughout the six minutes. And he just like keeps his composure for the most part, just walks back. And then finally at one point, like picks a rock up and throws it at it and it runs off. But this, it, dude, I would have, been mountain lion food there's no way i would have tried to take off running and just got fucking eaten by this thing it was it's crazy you gotta watch the video balls of steel seriously (laughs) all right you got uh you got another one oh yeah i'm gonna go with uh, isn't awesome chicago bears because uh really just because we're probably not gonna be able to say anything good about them for a while i don't think they're gonna be able to keep this hot streak up but uh (laughs) yeah i just wanted to give them a shout out while we still can Nick Foles, he's our guy. Yep. I think if we had a real offseason, he would have been the starter, but um, I think we're going to get up and down play from him the rest of the year. I mean, his his highs are high, and he definitely is better than Mitch Trubisky, let's be honest. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, thin, I didn't think they were going to play. I didn't think they were going to have, have such a good game against uh, Tampa Bay. Not that that was a good game. That was a brutal game. That, was, that game was terrible. But if they're going to win, they're going to have to make it terrible. And they did a good job making that game terrible. So, um, yeah, they're winning ugly, that was, but they're, they're getting wins. That was ugly. I think at one point there was like eight, eight plays with penalties in a row. But hey, One other be, thing. This could be a call-out, but how often are they going to call pass interference in the NFL this year? It, it's absolutely insane. It's like every time there's a ball underthrown, they call pass interference because the, all the receiver has to do is try to go – back for a ball and they just call it pass interference it's crazy you could just throw a 20 yard route like that every single time and get pass interference it's nuts and they do it and Foles does it perfectly he underthrows um what's the name every single time and Allen robinson uh, yeah Allen robinson and it just ends up being a pass interference yeah yeah and it's nfl so it's not in college a pass interference is 15 yards nfl it's spot of the foul and then uh oh is it 15 yards from the spot of the foul so it's a big uh that's a, I mean that's better than completing the pass. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, NFL's been crazy this year. Like I've been betting on games and it's just been very hard to uh, to predict what's even going to happen. Like um, the the Titans just blew out the Bills tonight, which both teams were undefeated, but uh, the Bills were looking good up until this point. The Titans have been quarantined for 14 days or something, but I guess that gave them a recharged them. So, anyhow. My shout out or my isn't the awesome this week is just basically a shout out to a uh, um, Vasil Lomachenko and uh, Timofeo Lopez. They're going to box each other on Saturday. It might be going on at the same time as this next year of this UFC card we're going to preview. But um, finally, like a real legit boxing match with two actual good fighters, and it's free on ESPN. So um, if I'm not watching it live, I'm going to be at least recording it. But I mean, you just don't get a lot of good fights in boxing. Like, to me, this is the first fight since um, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury that, like, is like a can't miss. So um, you don't get them a lot, but um, I'm, uh, I'm happy even though, I've, uh, even though I'm recorded. I'm on, I'm on record calling myself an enemy of boxing, but not, not – when they actually do the right thing and make good fights. So uh, this is a, these are this is a good fight. And actually, if you're into betting, they do have some good lines and some good props up for this fight. It's not a typical boxing match where one guy's a minus two thousand. I think that uh, Lomachenko is a minus four hundred favorite, and uh, Timofeo Lopez might be plus two fifty, three hundred something in that ballpark. But um, yeah, I mean, 
as uh, as much as we bash boxing and we pretty much are pretty loyal to MMA, pretty much exclusively MMA, uh, I want to give a shout out to a good boxing match. Because like we've said before, there's not a ton of good ones out there. So um, this is one out you definitely want to watch. Nice. Yeah, I think I saw a few advertisements for it on uh, ESPN Plus or whatever. But yeah, I'll probably tune in if it's not overlapping with UFC. I might get you know both my TVs going up in the living room and put them both on. So oh. yeah, I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah, I mean, like you said before, you pro- the problem with watching boxing is you watch so if you try to wa- you watch a bunch of you watch so many fights in between good ones. Like you can only think of on one hand all the great fights you've seen when you can watch a UFC on ESPN Plus card last week and see six really good fights. So, um, but this one should be good. So that's why I wanted to give it a little highlight and uh, definitely be tuning into it. Yeah, and literally nobody watches the prelims. There's like, they might as well not have prelims in boxing or anything oh, except boxing? for the main event. It's crazy. Like, what's the, like, I, no one even knows any of them. I don't even know if boxing fans know anybody on the prelims. It's 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 nuts. I mean, you can be a casual MMA fan. You can be not an MMA fan at all and watch the prelims and have, you know, be like, wow, that was a great, those are some great fights. But, I mean, every prelim boxing fight seems incredibly boring i'd rather go get teeth pulled and um, watch most of them they're horrible and you know the thing is if you want to talk about fighter pay and everyone always brings up how much boxers make those guys in the prelims are sacrificial lambs making like 2500 bucks so uh yeah very few boxers make huge money it's just that yeah. they can have their own they run their own promotions basically so that i yeah, mean that's exactly. how they end up making huge money but there's like you, that's why we don't get good fights very often either yeah, so there's maybe like a handful of guys making that money in all of boxing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our problems with boxing go very deep, but this week we finally got a good, uh, a good matchup that, I mean, these guys are like top of the, this is a, this is a good matchup for both guys the way I'm looking at it. Cause Lopez hits hard and he's fast and powerful and Lomachenko is hard to hit and he's, He's a almost like a defensive specialist with decent power, but he's been hit before and he's been dropped before. So by not by not guys that are not as good as Timofeo Lopez. So um, I think it's a risky fight for both guys. So that's why I just you just don't see it that often in boxing. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one. So that's almost like a preview of that one. Basically, I snuck a boxing preview into my isn't he awesome? Jeez, unreal. <laughs> um playing for the other team now but anyways move on to our call out um my call out this week is my wallet it's missing i don't know where it's at um i'm calling out my wallet not myself for losing it but um can't be me i don't lose things so uh don't know what happened but stolen maybe you should file a police I mean, report yeah i mean it's just practice if they stole my wallet <laughs> not getting it <laughs> they're not they're not getting away with anything but Anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't lose things, and I and like I very routine, so I don't know. I just keep picturing like random spots where I swear I'm like, oh, that's where I left it. Go check. That's not there. So it's a uh, it's been a struggle. I probably won't be able to sleep tonight. And uh, how long has it been missing for? Uh, over 24 hours. Wow. Yeah, stolen. Coming up on 48. Stolen. Yeah. The only problem with my stolen theory is that would mean. They would have to come into my house because my theory is that I brought it in and I said it exactly where I always said it, 
but it's not there. So, yeah, I mean, had to be stolen by one of my dogs or something. Yep, dog ate, dog ate the wallet. Yeah, but anyways, calling out my wallet, why would you do this to me? Um, I don't lose things, and it gives me like a – it's not like a – I'm not – I don't have OCD or anything like that, but I do get like a – it just bothers me on a very deep level when something's not where I think I left it because it just ne- – I never – I just don't lose things. I just don't do it. So, anyhow – so, yeah, maybe I'm calling out myself a little bit. Maybe I need to look in the mirror. There you go. Hi, right, well, I'll take away for my call out this week. I'm calling out horses and people that ride the horses. So nice. there's certain trails out here in Arizona, hiking trails, that you can also ride horses on and whatnot. And this is where, this is where my beef comes up. Um, so I take my dogs on these trails, and it's basically a crime to have your dog shit out on one of these trails and not pick it up in a bag with your hand. Meanwhile, these fucking assholes ride their horses along this trail and take fucking five-pound dumps right in the fucking middle of it and keep riding their fucking horse on their merry way. And meanwhile, I'm over here with a plastic bag over my hand catching the shit before it hits the ground for my fucking dogs while these giant horses are dumping all over the trails. It's absolutely insane. There's signs posted all over the place. Pick up after your dog. Pick up after your dog. Meanwhile, these horses are dropping shits bigger than my dogs all over the trails, and no one gives a fuck. So I, I think there needs to be some accountability here. We need to make some new rules. And, um, you know, any animal out on the trail that's owned by a person needs to be treated the same as far as waste cleanup. Yeah. If they're not going to clean up their horses, then you should just take a dump out there, and you're not a dog, so. Yeah, exactly. Same difference. <laughs> yeah, I, uh. I delivered hay to horses for my, for several years of my life, so I already have an ongoing vendetta with horses, so you don't even have to get me started. And horse people, very strange people to begin with, so um, it's just a bad combination. I probably shouldn't even get into it just because I've had I've had similar rants in my life, but I've never dealt with that. Did you, you step in it? Did you step in it? No, they're so big you can see them coming, but regardless, oh. you got to move out of the way. you got to go off trail pretty much, and that's illegal too, so you're just like – Looking at a whole bunch of problems with these horses out here on these trails. Yeah, and there's no rule. They don't. They don't have to wear those bags on their butts or whatever. Like, uh, apparently not. Man, yeah, you need a petition or something. Yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start a <laughs> cause a scene out here. Change change.org petition. Yeah, clean up after your horses. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they're just they're just taking advantage of a loophole. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to start writing and horses on all the signs out there that say pick up after your dogs. Yeah, I don't know. Horse people Horse people are just weird. They're just a strange breed. Um, like, if you're a horse person, that's your life. It's like if you're a – I don't even know what else to compare it to. Like, your horse is your – horses are your life. That's your – like, nobody's yeah. a ho- nobody has horses as a hobby. If you're not – You're just a horse person. If you're not racing and betting on them, then what's the point? Yeah, or jumping them over stuff, barrel horsing. Yeah. barrel jumping or a cowboy yeah. like if you're yeah. just a regular person with horses like get a life yeah yeah that's an expensive toy so yeah i see where you're coming from on that so we'll see uh, you have to keep us updated on how that goes yep yeah it might take more than 48 hours to get this uh get this resolved in the state of arizona but we're on it yeah yeah uh, you probably get a lot of support pretty quick so so anyhow that'll do it for our our isn't he awesome and our weekly call out now we have our first ever 
documentary review. We have Fight Island Declassified. We watched episode one last night. Um, first and foremost, what expectations and delivery? What did you think? Um, it's pretty similar to what I expected, I feel like. I feel like, you know, like the Fight Island preview they were showing is pretty much episode one. Um, just condensed yeah. down. Um, you know, the two-minute preview, I could have watched that and uh, and pretty much got everything I saw in episode one in, in two minutes. Not quite, though. The storylines. Okay, first 15 minutes, we both had the exact same thoughts. This is like pure, super heavy-duty UFC propaganda. But after that, it turned into like a... Uh, it turned into like a CSI thriller, Criminal Minds thriller, like who caused the COVID at the at at the Abu Dhabi hotel, <laughs> and like all of a sudden Jared Gordon is like main character. He's like Kaiser Sosa from uh from Usual Suspects. Like they yeah, re- where did that come from? They just just out of nowhere thrust him in the main role of the whole documentary. I don't yeah. know. He had the most screen time out of anybody. Him and Paul Felder, but um. You know what was weird to me before we even get into the Jared Gordon thing was watching the fighters I knew tested positive come in and take their tests, and I know they're going to be positive. Like I, Gilbert Burns, like is in a good mood and everything, and he's taking his <laughs> test. I'm like, I know how this ends. I know he tests positive. It was like almost like a. It felt weird to watch. Like I'm like, oh, he doesn't even know yet. Like I felt like I was the one breaking the bad news to him. <laughs> right. Then uh, yeah, fights off and. It's kind of crazy. They they spent so long on the whole Jared Gordon situation and stuff, but like, just um, Burns is out and Masvidal is in, goes like within like five seconds. Like, seems like they like took, you know, dragged out these storylines that I mean, I guess they were like kind of cool to see. They were different than what I was expecting somewhat, but and then like the actual big storylines from that fight week, <laughs> they just like literally are just like, yep, Burns is out and Ma- Masvidal is in. Dana's like. Uh, yeah, they called me and they said we could get uh, Masvidal. And um, yeah, that's the fight people want to see. So yeah, we made the fight and that's all they ever said about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I w- it was entertaining. I, I liked, I liked the, the first episode. And I think the other ones are going to be better. But I think what they were trying to do was when the false positive started going around at the, at, at the actual Fight Island and they went back and did like a, a montage of everything, everything Jared Gordon. So... Basically, if you haven't seen it, I guess just skip forward. I forgot to say that at the beginning, but basically, they start with Jared Gordon at home. He has some. They start with his background that he's a recovering addict, blah blah blah. So like they're already like kind of painting him his character, which was kind of weird. And then they tell you his wife or his girlfriend had COVID, but he was testing negative. And then they show him like kind of like running around with Paul Felder. So his whole corner test positive. So he's like a COVID suspect, but he's been testing negative enough that oh, he can yeah, go with his girlfriend's pregnant. Yeah. Was pregnant. Well, that, which yeah. well, also that was for a few minutes and then. Yeah. Wasn't. So they throw, they throw that little loop in there. So anyhow, Jared Gordon, main character of a uh, fight Island declassified one, but, uh, so he's everywhere doing all this stuff and he's like the main character and he's got the stuff going on in his life and he's going to fight Island they show him on the plane, take his mask off and cough. They show him running around in Las Vegas in the quarantine hotel. They show him taking a picture with Dana and like Bisping and all these guys. And then they break it to you that he had a positive test, which I believe was a false positive. But Yeah, and not to mention, Megan O'Levy was absolutely disgusted by Jared Gordon <laughs> coughing on the airplane. 
She's like, fucking Jared Gordon coughs without a mask on in the airplane. Like, it was so disgusting. She's like, I've been wearing masks for eight or nine years on airplanes now. I'm like, okay, all right. Way to brag. Nice humble brag there. She's a mask Karen. And you know who else? I wasn't super surprised that she was a mask Karen a little bit. A little bit surprised. I mean, she says she's a germaphobe, but like... You're married to a jujitsu guy. There's no way you that you can't really be a germaphobe. But anyways, Bruce Buffer was a mask Karen. He stopped Paul Felder and and Jared Gordon oh, yeah. when they were the out on lot. a run outside. Yeah, outside and made, told them they should be wearing masks. Was that surprising to you? It was. I was shocked. Some somewhat, yeah. I mean, I guess this is somewhat early in the whole COVID thing, but I mean, regardless, it was it, it was pretty strange. Well, it just it set it all up because then they're like, Jared Gordon has tested positive, and then they do like a montage of everywhere he's been in like black and white, like a typical crime thriller, like Scooby Doo style, showing what the how the bad guy set up the crime. So, yeah, I mean it was it was drama filled. Uh, a few other things. Uh, Max Holloway was only in the show for like thirty seconds, and I I, I thought right away like I wish it was just like chilling following max holloway around like he just seems like a fun guy to follow around and uh he's just like uh always uh always vibing always got good vibes yep yeah instead we get jared gordon's life story <laughs> which i mean whatever it is, well, what I it is he, but jared gordon was kind of funny though when he took his mask off and started coughing and then he said <laughs> oh corona <laughs> on the yeah. plane next to megan olivi who's who was terrified of corona <laughs> i'm just uh, what are your predictions who do you think is going to be the um the ne- next jared gordon of the of the rest oh of the, the next the next episode well i i already know for a fact they have like a whole cams that episode but um and there's something I, i'm really looking forward to i don't know when this happened to me or when i became this type of a person but i can't wait to see joe benavides get his ass kicked behind the scenes like <laughs> i'm i want i almost kept watching it just for that last night because i know it's in there and i don't know why i have no beef with him i just i i mean obviously i'm a huge Figueredo fan, mostly because of how he beat Joe Benavidez's ass. I don't know why, but I'm really looking forward to that. Um, uh, no, I don't I don't know who the next storyline is going to be. Uh, another thing I want to say, Pat Barry, small cameo. He creeps me out big time. Yeah. yeah, He's, he's a, weirdo. a weirdo. Yeah, he is a very weirdo. Uh, also, they skipped, they completely skipped over the uh, California reservation drama that went on where the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, told him, they can't do it in California. And then the CEO of Disney told them, stand down. They skipped over that. Um, they just went straight into the Jacksonville stuff. So I don't know if that was uh, – I mean, I was su- – the more I watched it, though, I really was impressed, like, that they lined up all these airplanes from all these different places in the world. They got this done pretty quick. Dana definitely deserves some credit for being, like, a doer, a get-stuff-done type of guy. Yeah. But, I mean, they make him seem like like – a hero like of a superhero movie basically like like he's like this <laughs> the first mad, five minutes like president of ufc's like some type of like you know like i don't know like i don't know who i compare him to but they do make him seem like just like i don't know like the president the who unites minutes, the world dude. and and saves the saves the world through fighting the first five minutes was like a was like a fantasy superhero preview it's like one man saves the world through bringing sports when no one else when everyone else was afraid to act but one man yeah 
<laughs> the first five minutes that they laid it on pretty heavy, I was like, this might not be as easy to get through as I thought. But it turned around, it was pretty good. And again, Dana deserves some credit. Um, while I give him credit, though, I want to say, too, like, he he did say one thing that I've been saying since the beginning that, like, I'm happy he's saying it, even though everyone hates him and thinks he's a moron and thought he was going to kill people. But, like, if you're the president of a company or you're the commissioner of a league, no matter what, it's your job to figure out how to make your sport play again. That's what was so annoying about, like, the commissioner of, like, the Big Ten who was just like, no, we're canceling, no, we're canceling. It's like, it's your job to make it work, not to not to shut it down. Like, you can shut it down if it's not going to work, but you can't just be like, nope, everyone, we're all going home. So uh, I do give Dane a lot of credit, and I'm glad it worked out as good as it did, which talk about, like, a it was a – this was a – high wire act so uh i do think that i feel a little bit of that drama watching it but overall i mean we pretty much knew everything that happened at least in this episode probably all the way through but again i thought the documentary was good and it's pretty interesting to see everything they they went through to get this done yeah definitely i think yeah i'm interested to watch the final three i know we said we're gonna watch all four and recap the whole thing but um we're procrastinators um, and it was it was a little thick in the drama to make it through four episodes. I don't know if we would have been able to recap the whole thing. Yeah, that's um, true. It was a little thick with the drama. But I'll admit when I finished last night, and again, maybe it was just because I wanted to see uh, Figueredo beat up Joe Benavidez, but I, I, was, I almost started watching more episodes. But I'll save it for next week. But, um, yeah, if you have not watched it, and I, we just ruined it for you, but um, I will say go go watch it because we didn't, we didn't say everything that happened, but – Definitely worth worth watching. Just ninety nine percent. Yeah, well, ninety nine percent was in the first that first ESPN commercial, the Fight Island preview, that two minute commercial that was on ESPN. Like you said, that was yeah. basically the trailer for this movie. If you take out the jo- Jared Gordon storyline, it's pretty much <laughs> like the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Jared Gordon storyline is pretty interesting, though. I have to admit, we thought that he gave everybody on the plane Corona. Yeah. At one point, they have you convinced. And I think it even leaves on a cliffhanger, but uh, we were we lived it, so we actually know. So um, no, there won't be any surprises for there. But I guess we'll move on from that. Good show. I'm looking forward to the next couple episodes, um, even though pretty much so far everything I've known that's happened. But uh, we'll move on to our news this week. We got Daniel Cormier saying John Jones should fight Israel Adesanya sooner rather than later. I think we both agree with this. Um, he should do it now before he moves up to heavyweight. He should get into shape at 205 and just make the fight happen. Yep, agreed. But I think the only problem is that he needs to have the belt before they make that fight at 205. So he needs to get come back, fight Jan, beat him, then he fights Israel Adesanya because it just doesn't really make sense to have the fight at 205. I mean, John just obviously ain't making 185, so it doesn't really make sense to just have a fight without the belt. The UFC is not into making those type fights without the belts on the line. It's just, um, you know, additional promotional tool. Although I don't think it would even matter. I mean, the fight's going to be as big as it's going to be regardless, but I think they're going to want John Jones to have the belt if they do put on that fight. So, well, how stupid do they feel then for just taking it for John, just relinquishing the belt out of nowhere. He could have held onto the belt for longer. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like there's no, like he didn't, I mean, he hadn't fought that long ago. So, I mean, the I mean the Reyes fight wasn't that long ago, so he could have easily uh, yeah held on to it and you know just let Jan and uh, and Reyes fight to see who he's going to fight next and then fight Adesanya in the meantime. But I guess they didn't know Adesanya was going to blow up and it was going to be like 
that much heat between them that fast either. So, yeah. So I guess credit to Adesanya for taking it to the next level because they had they've been arguing on Twitter for years, but this was this was a uh, a step up. So then you got Jan Blockwich issuing a warning to Israel Adesanya that this fight would be like when he fought Luke Rockhold. Um, I don't know if I'm on board with that, Jan. <laughs> calm, calm down, Jan. You got you just got this belt and you beat Dom, an overrated Dominic Reyes. And, and you called now DC fat. Uh, now he's just talking all types of shit to everybody and uh, and just thinks that he's going to just destroy anybody that comes in his path. So, I mean... He's almost Full getting borderline turn. annoying with his uh, confidence in himself these days. <laughs> Full heel turn. First thing he does as soon as he as soon as he gets near a computer, um, Twitter, he said, calls DC a fat ass. So right, I've literally never heard him anything from him his entire career, and he gets the belt and he's talked shit about everybody in the 185 and 205 division within like a week. Yeah, I mean, I have a little bit of respect for it, but yeah, you can't do it for you can't you can't go too crazy. You can't get too uh, too too twi- too happy with the Twitter fingers. Um, so yeah, and I don't think either one of us think that fight would go like the Rockhold fight. I don't think either. I think we both think that um, Adesanya is better than Luke Rockhold at whatever age you chinless chinless Luke Rockhold at age thirty five or whatever he was. So yeah, um, definitely. Maybe Adesanya should go up and get the belt, and then John can come down and fight him. I don't know. Somebody's got to go, go get that belt. That could work, too. Somebody's got to go get that belt. So, um, this one I didn't hear about. Um, Adesanya believes homophobia led to an overreaction from this post-fight celebration at UFC 253. Um, what do you got on this one? This is a uh, this is new to me. Yeah, hold on one second. I'm going to look up the article real fast. Um and I can, uh, all right, here it is. I'll give you his full statement here. Um, let's see here. And this is pretty interesting. It says, as much as he doesn't care, about, this is from uh, from uh, MMA Fighting um, by Damon Martin. He says, as much as he doesn't care about why what anybody has to say about him, Adesanya felt completely justified to celebrate however he wanted to in the moment, even if that meant the post-fight humping that got everybody up in arms. And Adesanya, quote from him, I couldn't give a fuck what they think, to be honest. Adesanya told MMA Fighting, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even plan it. It was justified. Like, you know, when you're on Call of Duty and smoke someone with a headshot, and then you go over to them and press circle down, up, down, up, kind of teabag them. That's what I did. What it is, is homophobia. People are just mad. Why are you doing that? You're not a man because they feel inadequate, questioning their own sexuality. <laughs> and that was pretty. That was what he had to say about it. I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I think. Uh, I think uh, as he's trying to do a little too much these days. And then he goes on to say. Um, Dude said so much shit to me leading up to that fight, insulted me in so many different ways. That was pretty much a second after the fight was over, and you expect me to be gracious? Are you fucking kidding me? I was gracious when I walked up to him and said, are you going to shake my hand? And he shook my hand and said, good fight, thank you. Thank you for the game. I was gracious when I secretly DM'd him and said, how's your leg? I just wanted to check on him. But, yep, so basically said he was completely justified and and dry-humping him after... 
knocking them out and uh yeah and it's just people being homophobic yeah i don't know i don't know about all that i think he's pushing it a little bit um i think it might just be a little disrespectful to dry hump someone after you knock them out (laughs) yeah we were both we were both on board with it we both i mean we i I don't mind when people cross the line a little bit see i think it's weird though that he has so much animosity towards uh Costa because everything Costa did was a joke and it was all kind of funny leading up to the fight it was all kind of funny like he made like funny videos of like a fake Adesanya like some black guy that trains with him like running around the uh, ring from him and he was practicing chasing him like uh, it was like a Benny Hill thing where it was like in fast forward I don't know it was a, he didn't do anything personal or mean or rude he was so trying to sell the fight and be funny and it, it all of it was funny so um I don't really see why he got his feelings so hurt. And then he humped him back, and it was kind of funny that he humped him back. And then um, I don't think I don't think homophobia really registered really anywhere. I think some people just thought that's like you already embarrassed the guy by knocking him out. You didn't have to hump him. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't I don't think they're like oh gross homos humping on the TV. <laughs> like can't like that's not what I got out of it. I just yeah I thought that people just probably thought it was just yeah disrespectful to to dry hump a down opponent. You know you can't yeah, in the fa- head you can't hump him. <laughs> good point. Yeah, good point. I was also shocked that he did it because it's just it is. I mean. I'm not. I'm not saying anything homophobic, but I mean, you, you might have a little sugar in your tank if you're doing something like that. That's just without thinking. By the way, he said without thinking. So, I don't know. Uh, just a reaction, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I just. I thought if anything, it was kind of funny and a little disrespectful. But nobody. Nobody really got hurt. I didn't really think he crossed the the, the invisible line, but he didn't actually cross the like the real line. So it was all good. Yeah. But, interesting yeah, take. Yep, very interesting. I'm not going to say he's wrong. I mean, people are entitled to their own opinion, but, uh, yeah, it's not really what I got out of it, what you got out of it. Um, no. You know, everyone was fine with him kissing that man after he uh, beat Robert Whitaker, so I don't think the fans are too homophobic. Exactly, and they did that on TV. So, And I'm going to put that – you know what? He blocked us on Instagram, so I shouldn't even be saying anything nice about him in the first place, so – but I'm not yeah. saying anything homophobic because that wouldn't be right. But anyhow, um, just so oh, you know, mo- we're not saying anything homophobic. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So then we got the goat here. We got Artem Lobov, um, Zabira. Uh, how did you said his name right last week? Tahugov. Tahugov. Tahugov should have been cut from the UFC. Ready to fight him and donate all the money to charity. At first, when I read this, I laughed and I was like, "What is Artem talking about? Why would he even say this?" And then I remembered. Artem got cut from the UFC for this exact incident, and he didn't do anything even near as bad as um, Tahugov did. Tahugov jumped in the cage after the McGregor um, McGregor Khabib fight and punched Conor McGregor in the head. T- tried to punch him. Whatever happened, um, Artem got cornered and slapped around a little bit. That's what started the whole incident. That started all the bad blood, or that's what started all the bad blood previously before the. Uh, well, that when um, Khabib got the belt, when they stripped Conor McGregor. So I get why Arden wants to fight him, and I uh, I actually think uh, Tahugov probably should have been cut for doing that. Yeah, I think he definitely should have been cut, and I, I think Arden's right to be uh, pissed off about it and want to fight him. Um, 
yeah, Artem got cornered and slapped around by Khabib and his goons, and then uh, you know Tahugov just jumps in the cage and and uh, punches a out of it Conor McGregor, and he just gets one year suspension. It do- doesn't seem right to me. I think they should let um, let Artem fight Tahugov bare knuckle, show him who the real goat is, and uh, and you know do away with them. Exactly. Make make easy work of him. Light work. Light work for the GOAT. Light work yeah. if they're bare knuckle. And Tahugov wasn't that good, but I don't know what their weights are. I don't remember what Tahugov fought at. But um yeah, I mean I read this and I was like, what did they, what is this what is Artem even talking about? Then I realized like they pretty much they did cut Artem for that incident and it was all related, so and Tahugov did something worse, so um so yeah, that's it for the news. But speaking of Conor McGregor, not quite done with the news yet. Um, I don't think we have any updates. He apparently agreed to fight Dustin Poirier. He wants to fight him in November or December. Uh, it's been like a week now of silence. So I don't know if... Uh, do you think the UFC is going to drop the ball on this? Or do you think that Poirier and uh, McGregor are going to fight? No. Oh, yeah. This could have been my hot take, too. That fight is not happening. Not going to happen. UFC is going to do whatever they can to not let Conor fight until... Um, until uh, COVID's over and they can get live crowds again. I mean, it's just to pay him. So I think it, I think they're in kind of a tough spot here because um, I think they have to, you know, contractually offer him a certain amount of fights in, in a year, you know? So, mm-hmm. but I don't think they want to have him fight. So I think they're kind of, um, you know, kind of trying to float out fights that he wouldn't want to take or kind of trying to bring him back to the table and say, hey, you got to take less money. If you're going to be fighting, we can't pay you this much money without a live gate. And um, I, it, I don't know enough about the contracts and stuff about how it works and whatnot. But I do know that they usually have to offer a certain amount of fights per year. Three and it doesn't seem something. like they want him to fight. So, Yeah, I, I mean, they're gonna, uh, if they're not going to – silence for a week is a very, very bad sign when your biggest star wants to fight the number two contender. They both agree, verbally agree – and then nobody's heard anything in a week. Well, That's appar- a very bad sign. Yeah, and apparently Connor got a contract and signed it, but Poirier said they've UFC have never reached out to him either. So it makes it seem like they're just trying to please Connor with while kind of just like you know like oh all right well Poirier doesn't want it or something, but they never offer him the actual contract. Oh, we'll know we'll know if if they don't give it to Poirier because he tweets about it every single day. Now there's a guy. All you fellas out there, never give up on the girl of your dreams because if you just keep if you just keep asking for her, you might eventually you might eventually get your break because he's been on Twitter begging for a fight with McGregor for years now, and six years later he finally got it. So fellas, don't give up. You uh, ne- you never know. Well, you might be leading him on though. <laughs> yeah, maybe he it seems doesn't like have the it. fight yet. Yeah, I know, and that's why I'm. It's been a week. Like, I was that. That uh, that has me pretty suspicious as well. So, um, I think that might have cleared some stuff up because I wasn't sure what, what the possible hangups could be. Um, I think they originally said January, and he said no. I want to fight in 2020. McGregor said, I want to fight either at, whatever the Garbrandt just fell out, and uh, who was the other? Oh, Usman just dropped out of his fight. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some stipulations and I'm sure if this was a priority to them, which normally it would be, it would have gotten done in a day. So 
Uh, we'll see going forward with that. But that'll do it for the news. Now we have our preview of a card I've been looking forward to for a long time, which is, the, I'll give you the official name here, it is UFC on ESPN plus 38, Ortega versus Korean Zombie. Um, start with the main event here. Brian Ortega is a plus 160 underdog against Chan Young, Sung Young, a.k.a. the Korean Zombie, who's at a minus 185. I, I'm kind of surprised by this line. I thought it'd be closer, but I was always going to take Korean Zombie. I think it's a good matchup for him. And I think that beating that Max Holloway put on Brian Ortega is probably the, the single biggest factor in this line being slightly um, having a slight gap in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty... Uh, um pretty stuck on um that Korean zombie's going to win this. Um I mean obviously Brian Ortega he's got to win by submission, mo- usually guillotine. If he doesn't get that, he's we see, you know, his last fight against Max Holloway. Uh, his striking is just atrocious. He doesn't have any defense. He keeps his head right on the center line, does not move his head at all, gets pieced up. Um Korean Zombie, he is an elite striker. Um, and, um, you know, he's never been submitted. He's never been finished by submission. So, um, you know, granted he hasn't fought a ton of like submission guys in his career, um, at least in the UFC recently. Um, but that doesn't mean that he's necessarily doesn't have, that that's the reason, you know, why he's not losing by submission. Yeah. I, I, I just think that, uh, yeah, he's going to keep it on the feet. I don't think Brian Ortega is going to, he's going to put himself in a position to get submitted by Brian Ortega. And as long as he can avoid that submission, I think he easily wins this fight. Yeah. And I hope he wins this fight. And they, I, th- I believe Dana officially said that this is the next, the winner of this fight is the next title shot. So love to see Korean zombie get a title shot. I think he should say if Korean zombie wins this, he gets a title shot. Cause I don't think Brian Ortega deserves a title shot if he wins this fight. Um, what he no. just sits out for for forever. Since I mean, granted, I guess it was injury for quite a while of it, but um, I mean, I don't think he can just lose. His last fight was he was when he lost uh, at his title shot versus Max Holloway, which seems like forever ago. So I don't yeah. see why if he gets like a lucky submission win or something that he should get the next title shot at 145 when there's there's a lot of people that are in line at 145 right now for a title shot. Well, lucky for you, Dana doesn't mind saying things and then just not doing them. So or doing the opposite. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we may be pleasantly pleasantly pleased here, but I definitely have Korean Zombie in this one. Both my heart and my head, uh, vibe test, eye test, it all lines up for Korean Zombie. So um, that's my guy here. Um, next up, uh, heavyweight prospect here, Cyril Gan, Gan or Gagne. I don't know. I've heard it's pronounced both ways. It's like a Ghana. It's a what? Ghana, I think. Ghana, Cyril Ghana. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. uh, All right, so Cyril Ghana, minus 525, I believe, is the biggest favorite on the card. He is fighting Ante Dij. uh, I think this guy's making his debut. Yeah, I literally know nothing about his opponent, but um, I'm assuming here that this is kind of a fight for Cyril Ghana just to run over um, his opponent again and. you know, kind of build him up as the next Francis Nagano type guy. Because, um, yep. I mean, is absolutely jacked. Yeah. He's uh, not fat. He's not a fat guy. Um, I've seen him on a few cards. He was on the Russia card or Moscow card or whatever uh, back, like, in November. And then he was on the 
Uh, Singapore card where Ben Askren got choked out by Damian Maya, and he looked good on both of those. He was low on those cards too. Like now he's co-main. That's pretty impressive. Um, like I said, at 525, your best bet is maybe to put him on some parlays, but um, I would say he's, like you said, this is probably kind of a showcase fight for him. So um, fighting a UFC newcomer, I don't know if short notice or anything like that, but um, probably a fight he's, everyone's expecting him to win. Uh, next, you got Jessica Andrade versus uh, Caitlin Shukshukshukshukshuk, the blonde fighter. Chukagian, the blonde fighter. Um, don't ask why her name is like a tongue twister to me. Chukagian. Um, Jessica Andrade minus 145. Chukagian plus 125. Uh, I don't know who I think is going to win this fight. What do you got for me on this fight? Yeah, I like I like Caitlin Chukagian in this fight. Um, I just think that uh, it's Jessica Andrade moving up. This fight's at 125. Although, um, you know, I and Jessica Andrade, you know what you're going to get. I feel like she comes out there, fights the same fight every single time. She just kind of bullies her way in to range, lands shots, takes you down. Um, but I think that's going to get, you know, more difficult at, in the 125 division. People um, are a little bigger, a little stronger, and, um, you know, she's not going to be able to bully them as easy. Um, she is a bulldog. She keeps coming at you. We saw that in the Rose fight. Um, got beat up for two rounds, but then, you know, pretty much almost finished rose it could have been a 10-8 yeah that was the scary round so um you know what you're going to get but i think chikagian is a good enough striker and and big enough uh to you know kind of be able to uh you, you know keep her at distance at the early rounds and you know at least get the first two rounds and then you know maybe i i kind of see this possibly a similar fashion to the rose fight where maybe um um, Andrade wears her down and has a good third round, but um, is already down on the scorecards. All right, I like it. So that's that's a nice little underdog play at a plus one twenty five. Um, next fight: uh, Jimmy Crute versus uh, Modestus Bukaskis, and uh, Jimmy Crute is minus three forty. Bukaskis is a plus two eighty. Um, Jimmy Crute here, he's the Australian fellow, right? Uh, yes. Okay, yeah. So I've seen him fight. His last fight was, oh, he's on the Cater vs. Ige card. Oh, no, never mind. That's Bukaskis. Uh, he was, I think it was longer ago than that. Jimmy Crude's um, had, he's had quite a few fights. Um, oh, he's see. on that Felder Hooker card. He beat, he was a underdog against uh, Michael Oliskishkishkish, some Polish name. Um, and he dominated that fight, if I remember correctly, three rounds. Um so, yeah, I mean, minus 340, I would say I would go with the favorite here. I don't know. Um, I don't remember Michael uh, Modestus Bukaskis' last fight. I have seen him fight before, though. Yeah, he's that was on a weird-looking dude. <laughs> he was on the Cater Ige card. That might have been his debut against uh, Michaelitis. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Crude, I think he's uh, – He's a pretty solid fighter. I think it's, uh, you know, the minus 320 is justified. Um, you know, he's got wins over uh, Paul Craig, Sam uh, Sam Elvey, and uh, Michael o- I don't know how to say his last name either. That's one that stumps me. Um, but he's lost to Misha Serkinov, um, which, you know, that's no no slouch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's got pedigree. It seems like he's, you know, the better fighter. Um 
look for him to uh, kind of pressure him and try to take him down and, and submit him. All right, so other than that, on this card, we got James Krause fighting on, I believe, fighting on short notice again. That's like his thing. A little more notice than his last fight. I think he fought on like 24-hour notice against uh, on that uh, uh, last John Jones card. Yeah, versus Trevor and, Giles. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, it was. Um, he's fighting Claudio Silva. He's uh, James Krause is a minus 165 favorite i don't know just funny that he just shoot, shows up whenever they need a, a short notice guy um john phillips cosmat's first victim he's back back in action he's a plus 215 underdog against yong jin park minus 265 and uh one more guy i want to point out uh thomas Alme- Al- almeida minus 120 over jonathan martinez plus 100 this is uh, Thomas Almeida, who was at one point a large favorite to beat Cody Garbrandt back in the day. Yeah, yep, he was. That was one of my better picks. I had, I had Cody Garbrandt in that fight just because uh, I, I was I was on Cody Garbrandt early. So, um, but yeah, I remember that fight. I was in Kansas City um, during that. What were you one, doing in so. Kansas City? Um, went to a White Sox game. It was some uh, friends of Ashes and stuff. So oh, yeah, nice. it was. Uh, it was a fun time, but uh, yeah, I remember I didn't get to see the fight because I was at the White Sox Royals game, um, but I actually did see the fight. I think I can't remember exactly, but I think I watched it maybe on my phone or something. But uh, May 9, yeah. twenty sixteen. Yep, Kansas City. There was a White Sox game in Kansas City. If you look it up, <laughs> Garbrandt was a plus one eighty underdog. Yeah, and uh, I mean Thomas Almeida, he's got hands, um, so. He hasn't fought for a while, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen his name in a long, in a long Rob time. Font, Rob Font, January 2018. Yeah, so wow. So he's been he's been out of the game for a little bit here. I wonder why, if there's any reason. But um, oh, Almeida. Let's see. Let's see. Almeida was expected to face Marlon Vera in 2019. But it was revealed that he was experiencing major issues with his vision and required eye surgery. So yeah, he's Sheesh. he's having vision issues. Um, so yeah, hopefully he's got that taken care of. Hopefully he gets back on the winning track. I mean, he was uh, he was on fire up until that Cody Garbrandt loss, um, undefeated. Yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, be looking for him to come back and uh, you know hopefully get a win here. Yeah, definitely. And uh, one last guy you got on here, Saeed Nurmagomedov. Is this of the of the Khabib family? Uh yes. I is it his brother or his cousin? I do not even know. One of his cousins fought on that Russia card and lost. Um back in November. Um Saeed fought on the last Korean zombie card, Edgar vs. Korean Zombie on December two thousand nineteen. Uh, he was a favorite in Actually, that fight. Actually, I don't think he's any relation. He's just another Nurmagomedov? I think so. Saeed, is, this is his fourth UFC fight. I think I always assumed they were related, but maybe Well, he not. does have some cousins that have fought on the UFC, so I don't know. They're cousins. Come on now. They're all cousins. Yeah. Cousin. Well, if they're not cousins, then I'd take them off the uh, fighters <laughs> to talk about because that was the only reason I put them on there. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go with their cousins. How many Nermagomedovs are there out there running around? Come on. Right. Anybody whose last name ends in a V is pretty much related to Khabib or in his corner. That's, so, yeah, that's what I'd say. 
if he's Dagestani, then they definitely are. They're definitely uh, at least uh, for uh, informal cousins, honorary cousins. Okay, so it says Umar and Akbar Nurmagomedov are cousins to Khabib. Saeed has no blood relation to the other three fighters. But is does he run with them? Is he part of the squad? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, uh, he's in the group. He's in the he's in the gang. So there's there's a there's a Khabib there's a Khabib uh, family tree in the in the fight. So we'll we'll leave it at that. He's fighting early on the card against Mark Striegel. And uh, he's an ugly he looking may... dude, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> hopefully he can fight. So other than that, anyone else on this card that you wanted to point out? Uh, um, you got a good underdog here at, with Trukagan, plus one twenty five. Not really. I mean, um, Jillian Robertson, um, mm-hmm. maybe look for her to win by submission. Seems like the way she usually wins fights. Um, and other than that, um, no one that really like pops out for me, to me really on this one. I mean, yeah, kind of a sleeper card other than the main event and a couple fights. Um, I mean. I felt like this card was supposed to have more bigger fights on it. Like I feel feel like when I first saw it that it, it popped more than it is than it than it is right now out to me oh yeah no this 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 ortega korean zombie thing has been they've been trying to make this this was supposed to happen like a year ago but then ortega tore his acl and then it was supposed to happen again and then COVID happened this one is a long time coming there was enough time for them to face off in korea um korean zombie to, or uh, ortega to slap korean zombie's best friend at 248 there's been a lot of there's been a lot of time. This thing was supposed to be this one is a long time in the making. So and if you combine the best fights on this one with the best fights last week, there's been a lot of I mean, this one's not as bad as two weeks ago. So Yeah, no, and uh, I mean I'm sure it's gonna show up again and there's gonna be a bunch of highlights on this card and it just seems like every fight card's just showing up uh, yeah. regardless of the name value on it. So yeah, yeah, I mean for I'll, sure. I'll definitely be watching and um, I definitely expect it to uh to be an entertaining night of fights like usual yeah absolutely well i think that's it for this preview so we'll wrap it up from there all right so next week we'll be back to recap this card next week we got the ufc 254 khabib versus gaichi preview probably the biggest fight yeah probably the biggest fight of the year in my opinion um we had costa adesanya which i was looked forward to about as much as any, but I mean, this is a whole nother ball game here. So, um, so yeah, we'll come back next week and we'll, we'll preview that card, which is a banger from top to bottom. Other than that, um, I don't think anything you want to add in closing here today. Um, next week when I, when I say bet on Justin Gaethje, you don't listen to me. Um, it's the hard talk and somehow I've fully convinced myself that he's going to win this fight. Um, but he's probably not. So it is what it is. So we're going heart and head again. We're going, we're going hearts with Gaethje. Head, we're going head with Khabib. I don't even know. I feel like I've convinced myself that my head's going with Gaethje too. Uh, what do you think? How much of you think it was that because we we absolutely humble brag here, absolutely nailed it with uh, um, Justin Gaethje over Tony Ferguson? Like we called that from the second it was announced. Possibly, it might just have me jacked up from that. I think it has more to do with that. I really don't like Khabib, and I just really hope he loses. So. Um, it might have a little bit to do with that as well. 
All right, well, come back next week and we'll preview that one. Otherwise, that'll do it for us. Thank you to everyone who listens. Um, Please subscribe, rate, and um, we'll see you all next week. Have a good one. Peace.